Before we get going into your Hockey IQ podcast episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Rapid Shot. Rapid Shot is the smart shooting lane. Uh, it's like a batting cage for hockey players. Very cool. Tracks your shot in three ways. Accuracy, shot speed, and reaction time. Uh, easy to use. Uh, actually, I used it when I played and was growing up. Very easy. Simply scan your phone in, select your settings, and start shooting. Uh, you can see your stats on the app and online. And you can check them out at rapidshot.com. Uh, great small business. I actually grew up with one of the owner's sons and have played with all the family members by now. Uh, just in local pickups here in Ohio. Very cool local business. Awesome product. I love it. I know quite a few NHLers have them in their homes. Uh, a lot of D1 programs have it at their rinks. So you have to check this out. Rapidshot.com. Check it out. Rapidshot, thank you so much for sponsoring our podcast. On the Hockey IQ podcast, we bring on two players, Colton Sipperly and Ronan Keenan, uh, both guys from Florida. Uh, glad you guys didn't get blown out by the hurricane there. Uh, glad you're still living. Your houses look perfectly fine. So uh, how are we doing today, boys? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. This is an honor. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, a lot of behind the scenes chatting here. Uh, I mean, Sip. Remember seeing you for the first time playing uh, for the CBJ Junior team, or what yeah. was it, U16s? No, that would have been second year U18 when I was in Columbus. Yeah, you're you're in Cleveland, and I was uh, talking with someone on, on Cleveland, and I just see this kid come down, just throw like a dirty like forehand, backhand, pretend like he's gonna roof and just go five hole, and I'm like, all right, what's up with this guy's hands? Yeah. Sick. All right, threw threw it on my radar. Uh, come back a few years later, I forget how you and I connected and then we ended up doing some work on your game, uh, and found out that, that Ronan was also doing some work from your, on your game. And, you know, funny how you, you two met, I'll let you, uh, tell the story of this, but, uh, we had the young guy who was probably the big guy and we had the small old guy. Yeah. So, uh, the COVID year I signed to play in Kempville of the CC, but then obviously I couldn't get over the border. So. I started to play for the team that was in my hometown, the Tampa Bay Juniors. And then, uh, so I joined the team late, three months in. Everybody already has their, their locker room stalls and whatnot. So obviously the only one left is this, the worst one. It's stuck in the corner and they got the young kid who's also 6'6". So there's just no room in the corner. They just throw me in there and then me and Ronan just get to talking and both realize we kind of love the, the deeper aspects of hockey, like getting better, the development side. And, Things have just kind of bloomed from there. We've just been buddies ever since. Yeah, Ronan, is that how you remember it? You're like this freaking guy. I can't believe he's coming. Yeah, I was like this guy, this tier two cut thinks he's he's hot stuff. Walks in and takes my spare locker. I mean, that's where I put my clothes in my backpack. But you know, <laughs> I, it was sick having stuff around. I mean, yeah, it was kind of frustrating that COVID year because I thought I'd have a bigger role in the team. But you know, I got to play some really just unbelievable hockey talent, and I got a lot of. I got exposed to like higher level thought processes and work ethics. So having sip around kind of pushed me to get better every day and also gave me a ride to the rink, which was nice. That's true. I forgot about that. I was your ride to the rink a lot of the time. Yeah. Amazing how friendships form around the rink. Love to see it. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into some, some fun stuff here. So sip, uh, when we first started chatting, uh, we talked about scanning and I know it's transformed your game. So I'll let you, talk about how that has been a game changer for you uh because 
beforehand, I think you were a little frustrated, scratched a few times. Yeah. So growing up in Florida, you're kind of, your coaches aren't always, you know, the best. There's not really a lot of teaching out there. It's just kind of go spend an hour on the ice and, you know, that's your development. So I was probably 18, 19 years old and I scanning, I could not have told you what that was on the ice. Like you, you looked at three of my games when you broke it down when I was in junior and your exact words were a complete lack of shoulder checking and scanning. And so obviously I've just, I've kind of been a player who relies on their skill, but without any shoulder checking. So then once I started to add that to my game, I really started to work with you guys last year and Ronan started to say like, look, like you don't do it at all. So I started to do it last year when I was scratched six or seven times in a row. Started doing it in practice. You really start to get the habit. You start to do it in games. You start to realize, oh, I have, I have so much more time out here than I think. I can make so many more plays. And ever since then, I, I haven't really looked back. I've, I've been able to play the role that I want on the team ever since I started to add that to my game. And I, I honestly, I've had a little bit of success in the past year or so, like having some good numbers and whatnot. But I would say without scanning, none of that would have ever changed. I would have still been stuck in my own ways of sitting here saying, why am I scratched? Why am I fourth line? I, I'm, I'm a decently skilled player. I, I think I could help produce. But then you start to add in the scanning aspect and, and managing the puck. You start to see, yeah, these guys are 24, 25, like trying to run you through the glass. But if you look up first before you get the puck, say, all right, I have two seconds of time instead of just freaking out and thinking you had no time, it completely changes your game. Yeah, and I got to say, Ronan, if I remember correctly, uh, you just annoyed Colton until he did it. What'd you say? Sorry. You just annoyed Colton until he finally scanned. Yeah, I mean, he was texting me all the time. I kind of, I guess I took on the role of being like his personal free of charge uh, film guy while he was in Tampa. And then when he got to Canton, he was texting me all the time and he was super frustrated. Just like, I'm, I'm not playing at all. Like, I'm like, this is annoying, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, we both know you haven't seen the corners of a hockey rink in about eight years. And, <laughs> like they can't exactly throw you on the fourth line against like he said 25 year olds like would you rather be fourth line playing four minutes a night being told to dump and chase and try hitting a guy with 100 pounds on you or i mean use the extra time like just like don't go into practice in survival mode go in and like play your game like use your strengths like hit the gym harder you're on a 20 game schedule anyways like be in the gym get a lot stronger on like your legs and your core and just like i said just work on the mind like control you can control and success is going to come and it just came a lot faster than honestly i thought it would but Happy to see you. Yeah, and I, I think the, the really cool part about this was like it wasn't like a complete skill rebuild that took you from healthy scratch up to top six minutes. It was just a whole change in how you saw the game and how you processed the game more than actual like, oh, I just need to get, you know, a season of getting bigger, stronger, yeah. faster, or I got to work all on those the hands. buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah, or even skating. Like, obviously, there's, there's some skating that, uh, I'd love to work with you on a little bit further, yeah. but uh, you got some hip issues. So we can, we got to work with what we got. Right. And, and yeah, exactly. figure out ways to best utilize your strengths and your abilities. Um, and for all the listeners out there, uh, Sipperly's got some sick hands, silky smooth, Sipperly, silky smooth. So it's like, all right, we got to run everything through your hands, but if you can't see anything and you can't process anything, like what good are these silky smooth hands? Like, come on. Exactly. So I'm curious, as you were starting to play with it, was it like a really awkward when you're like, what am I doing right now? Like you're almost like 
feeling out of body as you're trying to scan further? Like, what was that like when you first started doing it and then like placing it in your game and how did that process go from a, like a feeling standpoint? How, cause like everything comes back to athletic feeling. We talk yeah. about stuff and it's great, but it, you've got to be able to feel it and put it in your subconscious and just play. Well, I kind of started off, you, you start off every practice with flow drills. So I, as I started the drill, I just look and say, all right, I'm passing to a righty. And I'd say, all right, I'm passing to a lefty. And then I'd be super dramatic about, say, the puck is coming from behind. Instead of me, I know I'm not going to get hit because it's just the catch. He goes shoot on the empty net or whatever. I would, I would shoulder check. And then you start to get in the game situations. And as a left winger and a left-handed forward, I'm, I'm on, the, on the breakout. I'm just, I scan, I scan once, I scan twice. And you just start, you start to get used to it. And then you start to do it when you have the puck, you're, you're scanning more. And then now it's come to the point where the offensive zone, like I obviously I can't see myself doing it, but I think I'm scanning, you know, every, every second or whatnot. Now I'm getting to the point where if I'm going to get a puck in the corner, I'll scan instead of just used to just run into the corner and say, Oh, I'm going to get hit and try and make a play. Now you look, you look both ways. You're able to make a play. It, it went from being something completely foreign in the first couple practices and games where you're really, you're scanning so much that you're scanning at the wrong times. And then you're finding yourself kind of say you scan at the wrong time and the D pinches in because you're, you're still getting used to it. Now it's, it's second nature and you're starting to scan to the point where it's super beneficial and you're doing it at all the right times. So it, it's, I'd say it took a couple weeks of really deliberate practice to where I actually did it in a game for the first time and i and i realized oh i just did it without even thinking dude i got i got a few things we got to dive into here um I, I loved how you talked about you would be scanning during flow drills and just noticing something about like a teammate like it wasn't that you were just scanning like you were scanning with a purpose or you're trying to pick up some sort of information well there was going to be relevant or not i think that's probably really valuable is like oh i'm scanning but why am i scanning yeah, exactly. Because when you're, everybody can just go through the flow drills and it's, you know, you get your touches in or whatnot. But if, if you're deliberately trying to use it to get a little bit better, if you say you're doing Canada Cup or whatever, and you just take a look, oh, he's a righty. So let me put it here for him. And then in a game, you're in that same situation and you look up, you're right, you're about to get the pass and you say, okay, he's a righty. Let me put it here for him instead of just, you don't know if he's lefty or righty. So then you just kind of put it in front of him this way. You put it in a space so that way he can make the next play. So you're making his next play easier just by one sim simple check. Oh, love that. Uh, I don't know how many youth players just pass to like straight up guys' bodies and girls' bodies. Mm -hmm. Like this is terrible. Like you're just handcuffing someone in their feet um, with rather just knowing their handedness. Like that's super important. Love that. Um, the next thing I want to pick out was you were scanning before simple plays with no pressure talking about like just putting in the habit, whether it was like a situation or where you had to scan, where there's going to be pressure coming and you need to figure out what you do next, or just like getting in the habit of scanning without the pressure. So when you finally do add it, it's still there. It's kind of like uh, picking your clothes up off the floor. Like if you just do it every once in a while, it doesn't really pick up when you do it, when you're like, Oh, I can let this go. My wife's out of town, whatever. Yeah. You know, your parents are going to check your yeah. room. Yeah. Like snowballs and something you just do naturally. Yeah, 100%. We do a lot of, here we do a lot of breakout drills just to kind of warm up. And same as the flow drills. Anybody could just know there's no pressure coming down. and You just, you know, you bump it to the center, you catch it, you go make the next play or whatnot. 
but say as you're going down, he shoulder check once, shoulder check twice, and then you get the puck, he shoulder check twice. In your head, you think, all right, let's pretend there's a left-handed defenseman here. So in this situation, I'd make the move here. And then you get those four, five, six, seven reps in practice. And then the game comes around on Friday, and it's the exact same thing. And the, instead of the people just being in your head, they're just real, but it's, it's the exact same thing. You could still read it the exact same way. And your brain just now has that muscle memory to do it without you even having to think about it. That's awesome. I was literally watching uh, Kent Johnson do warmups for CBJ last night uh, from the press box. And I was just following him around. He was the only one doing something like a little bit different in warmups. And he was doing like those exact things. Like he was going through some game situations. Like you could tell in his head of like, what would you do here? It's a cut, all these different things. Love that. I think it's so powerful and such a separator. Um, the other piece I really wanted to key in on was how you were talking about like the timing of your scans. Like at first you're doing it at the wrong times. Like what would be for, you know, our listeners here, throw out an example of like, when would be a bad time to scan? Uh, I remember it would happen. It happened like two or three times in practice because I got yelled at for it. We're doing like a live five on five drill and I'm a left winger and say we're playing man on man. And I scan once I see him. Then I start to watch the play. I scan again, but as I'm scanning, he cuts down the wall. They cycle it to him. He makes the play. So then I, I lost my guy. So instead of scanning in the right times and seeing, all right, he's here. We're good. And then you check that way. All right, he's here. We're good. But it, you scanning could, if you scan the wrong way and you put your body in like an awkward position and you're looking to the left and he goes to the right, like you have to, there's more than just scanning to look around. You have to also be, it's kind of hard to put into words, kind of deliberately be scanning for the next play. Like you look at him over here and you see that, all right, he has two options. So then you, you just saw that one option. So then the next scan, you'll check the, the second option to make sure he's not doing that one. I like so that. It, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're, you're also leaning into the idea of like body orientation. Like how are you orienting your body so you can see the play and you maybe have to do micro scans or you can still see when you scan the player you need to guard out of your peripheral vision. You get mm -hmm. something like that. Am I, am I yeah, no, that's down, right. right. Like say – you're not just completely turning your body fully and, and, you know, doing a full check. You're just kind of quick check. You see them. You just see when you're when, for a defenseman for me in that case, I, I, if we're in the D zone, I'll be like, all right, he's a righty. So if the puck comes around the wall, he's this option or he can move. So I want to force him here, but then I'll, I won't actually turn around and look, I'll just kind of check. You just see him out of the corner of the eyes. You just see that shape, you know, he's there and you know, the puck's over here. So you're good. So the, the body shape is definitely a huge thing because you also have to stay ready for when the puck comes to you to make a play. So you can't just be standing up, looking around, going like this, looking like that. You have to always be ready for the puck as well. Yeah, like Barrett Hayden was a classic example his rookie year in Phoenix. I would always look at his game, and he would always be thinking and looking around while his feet were planted. And then he would never get any pucks, or especially in the defensive end, because there was no movement to it. He was like he wasn't in a good position, whether it be loaded or be a movement to actually retrieve all these pucks because he was thinking too much or he was scanning too much to a point where it really took away from his ability to grab pucks. So exactly. I love that you're talking about like this body orientation where, okay, I don't need to see every little detail about this person. I just need to know where they're at. And if they're starting to make moves on me, do I need to adjust my positioning within the team structure? Yes, 100%. Yeah, that, that's a much more simple way. 
of describing it because I was, I was just, I was trying to describe to you exactly like what I see, but yes, that's 100% correct. I've had a few more uh, practice sessions on, on talking for, for this podcast. So no worries. Man. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's, let's bring in our main man Ronan over here. So you were part of the, this conversation um, around scanning and a lot of it wasn't just about scanning. Like you were doing some seriously good work for, for Sipperly here. So if you wouldn't mind telling us what that was, what you were trying to get out of it, and how you even started on. Um, yeah. So a couple of years ago, I was just getting, I guess, really frustrated hearing all these coaches talk about, Oh, like we have the best development. Like we work out better and practice better and everything. And I'm like, like, I think Sip said it earlier. Like those are the fun words. Like it's kind of the words that everyone says because it draws people in, but no one actually really did anything differently. And I was just kind of thinking like math is so heavily involved in everything else in the world. Like there's gotta be a way to look at hockey and go like, how can I make this more like kind of like foolproof? Like I know I'm going to get better if I do these things. And I just started tracking like every time I was getting the puck or make have like doing something on the ice or like what actions of mine were successful and not successful. And it's honestly, it's kind of hard to do to yourself because you have to be completely unbiased and looking at it and saying like, what's good, what's bad, things like that. And then luckily enough, I kind of ran into SIP at the perfect time. And he was lucky enough to let a kid that was a couple of levels below his pay grade kind of rip into him once or twice a week. And so it started out as we would just watch his film and I'd be like, you're just making dumb plays. Like you're trying dumb things. And like, yeah, you might get away with it at this level. Cause I mean, I don't like to pump his tires too much. You already do it enough, but he was too good for that league. But I was like, you're going to get away with this here, but then you're going to go to Canton next year. And a 25 year old defenseman that played four years in the North American hockey league is going to send you into like the third row. And it just kind of blossomed from there. And I mean, it's ebbs and flows. Like I don't have as much time to devote to it as I'd like to, or like the resources to kind of speed it up. But every now and then I have like a little bre- like breakthrough or something. And a big example of that, I think is actually watching Sip play in his first year at college. I, um, <clears throat> I went through the game for him and I just, I actually, I hand plot every single time he touches the puck and then I'll make a little note of it. And I'll be like, he got the puck from here on this kind of play. This is what he did with it. Was he successful? Was he unsuccessful? Was it even strength five on four power play, anything like that. And then I plot it onto a hockey rink in like 15 different zones. And from there you can kind of see, like, I believe it was something out of a Jack hand article where he was talking about like frequencies and success rates. And he was like, anything you're good at, and you have a high frequency, like keep doing it. If it's a low frequency, do it more, like add that to your game. And if you're unsuccessful, like, yeah, like keep that in the back of your mind, work on it and practice, like how SIP learn how to scan the ice and like shoulder check, but like integrate it into your game slowly and kind of take it out for a little bit. And like, I remember one, like his biggest thing was he had absolutely like being able to look at it visually where he was picking up the puck. Like he had no like puck pickups in the neutral zone like nothing in the house that he touched that he got to. And I was like, well, why is this happening? And because I was just able to see like everywhere he got the puck on the ice and what he was doing with it in like one area took me like 10 seconds to look at him and be like, he can't break the puck out as a winger. He's too much of a skill guy to be worried about the corners and the D scares him because no one likes to get hit. But then we started talking about that and it was just kind of like, you know, like it's think of it like a pyramid, like at the base of the pyramid, it's the really simple things like making a breakout pass, like joining the rush, like doing like the small effort plays. And then it kind of blossoms from there. Like if you do the work in the D zone, you get more neutrals on touches. And if you're having success with those touches, you're going to get the puck in the offensive zone. And at some point you're going to start getting more house touches. And I mean, if you give this kid 
three puck touches inside the house, he's probably going to end up getting a point on one of them. And it's just kind of math from there. But I don't know. Yeah, it all just kind of started from nothing and just taking the time to study the game a little bit more outside of the rink and talk about it and having someone to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, I love that idea behind all of this. It's like finding a process that works well and allows for results rather than just going straight to the results of like, okay, well, let's back it up. All right, we're not seeing enough points. Why? Like you can't, lack of points, you can't look at like, points for all of that and we all see like points and everyone wants to be a point per game player and all of this stuff and it's great and all but like how do you actually do that and, and i love where you started with like tracking puck touches like that's something i do with my own teams of figuring out who's doing good things with pucks and who's doing bad things with pucks sometimes it's blatantly obvious but like you can really start to filter out over time of like okay who's improving who's going in the right direction who's taking in or who needs maybe a little more attention or just doesn't care enough. Um, and that's massive. And what, what really stuck out to me, what you're talking about was you wanted to start in the defensive zone. If you're able to break a puck out, it would lead to more puck touches later on mm-hmm. elsewhere in the ice. So actually doing the thing that you probably don't want to do and defend better or break the puck out better leads to more of what you like to do, which is score goals, get puck touches within the house, get through the neutral zone with a good speed differential, et cetera. I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, I guess you can cherry pick or hang out high or cheat behind the D, but realistically, like everyone wants to go as far as they can in hockey and coaches aren't stupid. Like, yeah, you might get noticed because you're putting up points, but the second they come watch the game and see you get two goals off cherry picking, but you go dash three, that's kind of, they're going to kind of snip you off right there. And I've just like, it's funny because if you ask a lot of my coaches, they probably say I stick handle a little too much and try doing a little too much. And I love kind of having like, I love watching players with a little bit of flair and like play creative, like play creatively, like, like enjoy the game. The first thing I tell anyone is it's fun, like play because you have fun. But if you just add that level of defensive responsibility, like you become so much better as a player in general and it creates more for you down the ice. Yeah. I think you, I think what you're, really pulling at and this is more you know pertinent to me because i'm the one actually coaching on on this call is like just like the dependability factor of like it's great that you're getting points but if you're going dash three you're not outscoring your issues or like okay you might be outscoring your issues at this level but when everyone is around your abilities physically wise or whatever it is is you're going up the level like, are you going to be able to take those goals to the next level? Like, do you have goals that are, we'll call transferable? Are they a good process that leads to results? And I, I keep coming back to this idea through your puck touch sheet of like, do we scan? Do we have these foundational pieces that allow for success no matter where you go? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never had a guy who's been, you know, scanned and been the most aware player and then not have success at another level. Like, yeah, Justin I mean, Williams is a great example out of Carolina. He played forever and the guy could barely skate by the end of his career but he was super effective in mr game seven yeah i mean it's like your physical attributes will take you so far and i remember i think i said this to sip when i was like 16 and i don't know where it came from because i've only gotten dumber since then but i think i told him like you have the skill set and it'll take you really far but like your mind is what ends up keeping you around in the game like if you look at all the guys that spend a lot of time in leagues like the nhl like yeah they have insane physical talent levels and just individual skill sets but they stick around because of the hockey IQ. Like Joe Thornton shouldn't have been playing in the NHL the last couple of years. 
but it's just the way he reads the game and picks up on things. And it just allows him to still be an impactful player this late in his career. Yeah, I do remember you saying that. Couldn't agree more. I mean, at the end of the day, for the most part, there are, you know, the physical freaks out there, the McDavid's and the cars, like everyone kind of catches up to about the same level physically. And some guys might be a little more efficient in their skating, whatever to really, you know, take a little bit more, but like, especially at the highest level of the NHL. Um, and you can see it, you know, NCAA as well, Sip, like cerebral players, they have a lot of success. As long as they keep up with the physical stuff, even just a little bit, there's a lot of success to be had there. And I don't know, you're, you're poster child here. Ronan keeps throwing you on the bus for being the small skill guy who won't go in the corners. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, like you said, uh, like how I struggle with the breakouts. I don't think that was like kind of a, I don't think that was because of uh, being small or not wanting to go in the corner. I think that also goes back to scanning because in body yeah, position. No, I, because I would of, like to double down. It was not because you're small. It's because you refuse to shoulder check. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's why every single thing changed once I started to do that, because then all of a sudden you're on the wall, shoulder check a couple of times, you get the puck and you realize, oh, I have, I have this much time. And then you recognize, oh, this defender is always super passive and he goes back. So then all of a sudden, instead of just getting it on the wall and chipping it out and, you know, praying to God, the coach doesn't see it and you turn it over. All of a sudden you're carrying the puck all the way to the offensive zone. And like he says, like you have more touches in the neutral zone of the offensive zone. So I, I think it all goes back to scanning 100%. Yeah, and I love that because, like, you scan it and you're like, oh, I can go to the middle of the ice. Oh, they're just giving this to me. I might as well take it. No big yeah, exactly. deal. Yeah, not, nothing gets me as a coach of, like, you, you watch a kid and he just wall bangs it off, you know, boom, glassing out, beautiful. And you're like, I have respect that is perfectly, perfectly. There are guys on every team that go glassing out and do their role perfectly, and I have the utmost respect for it. For the amount of blue line turnovers that I have. <laughs> yeah, but it, like the, it's the best when it's like perfectly to the other team. And you're like, you could have literally carried that from blue line to blue line and no one would have touched you. And you decided like the class and out was yeah. the proper solution in this scenario. Yeah, uh, don't even don't even look up. They couldn't even tell you what color the ice was. They just their eyes were closed, just hoping for the best. Oh yeah. Like they get back to the bench. I'm like, so what was your read there? It's like I uh, didn't have one. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. That they, would be the problem. Yeah, exactly. They think just getting the puck out is a good thing. Then all of a sudden, their D just get it. It's a quick regroup, and it's back in your zone. Like, yeah, you got the puck out, but you really just wasted ten seconds of everybody's life. <laughs> you just if wasted you have the puck 10 the whole game. You life. can't lose. I love that statement. If you have the puck the whole game, you cannot lose. Yeah, perfect game. You throw zero hits, right? Because you have that's the whole puck the whole time. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's the dream state. And Sips over here, like, yeah, I'd never have to go into a corner again and hit anyone. Love it. Yeah, let's do yeah, it. That, that's the dream, man. That's why roller hockey is the best, too. No it's true. True. So I, 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 little little do you guys know, I actually played one year of college roller hockey. Um, really? Yeah, University of Akron. First year of having roller hockey team. We played uh, our first weekend, and I was actually the leading scorer in the nation, but we were losing like 10 to 9. So uh, this guy had to go back and play some defense and, and just had to give up the scoring title. So hopefully you guys. Yeah. No, if, if you're a kid and you want to get better at scanning and hockey. become a more skilled hockey player, play roller hockey. It's four on four. There's no offsides. You can, you'll hold the puck forever and build your confidence. 
ask Ronan. He's played roller for the first time this summer. It, uh, it can completely transform your game. I so many games. Four games with Colton and was on the, the sheet with him and just watched him skate back and forth. And at some point I learned my best bet was just go stand on the other side of the, the rink and, and wait for a puck to come to me, hopefully. No, but seriously, <laughs> all, all jokes aside, every single kid who wants to work on shoulder checks or scanning or anything best become a more skilled it. hockey player should play roller hockey. Best place to do it. Or, or so, for example, I've got the University of Akron that I used to coach and, and still have the team up there. And we put the bottom half of our roster, um, and it ended up there was so much fun. Now, both sets of the roster, everyone gets their uh, respective alumni groups, but they we, they play in the local uh, beer league, and it's the greatest thing ever from a player development standpoint because like you don't have to worry about getting hit. You have literally no excuse not to like scan and look around and make a hockey play and our alumni will yell at you like, why are you just giving the puck away to the other team? So it's like this yeah. like mentorship, not getting hit. You can actually make a hockey play like development bonanza. And same thing with the roller hockey. Like if you give a puck away in roller hockey, you are really dumb. Cause it's so hard to get it back. And that's why I love like even scrimmaging three on three in practice or four and four in practice. Like you really value having the puck because you realize how difficult it is to get it back. Yeah, 100%. So, curious here, uh, Ronan, we talked about your your new role and adventure into playing the bumper. Uh, To which which you had the experience that all of the kids that I try to put in bumper have, which is kicking and screaming the whole way there. Absolutely. Play it for a bit, and when you start to figure it out, you're like, I don't want to play anywhere else. This is amazing. Don't get me wrong. If you put me on the right circle, I still think that I could put up like Nikita Kucherov level performances, but that's just because my ego is way too big. Um, No. Yeah. My coach put me on the bumper and I think after two weeks, they were ready to get me a bus ticket home just from me complaining about it. And I'd be moping every Thursday practice. And then it finally like started clicking in my head, like how to do it. And like, how to play off of people and instead of just sitting there and complaining about no one giving me the puck like learn how to be an option for people or even something as simple as just like creating lanes for others through the middle and just when you have your chances like it's all it all comes back to scanning like playing in the bumper became so much easier when I realized like I kind of have to be the most aware person on the ice and know where everything is at all times and it's just going to open up a lot of success for a lot of people and it's just been so much fun since then like even when I'm not having success I can go back to something and be like this is why i'm struggling like i can do this to change it i need to do this to be better and it just kind of made me take ownership of the scenario i was in and grow up a little bit away from the game but at the same time like it opened up my eyes to a different part of the game that i hadn't really gone through experience yet yeah one thing you mentioned i really want to explore a bit is like creating for others it sounds like you're not even like oh i'm not going to be the goal scorer here but i'm about to make someone's life really easy and give them a glorious opportunity it's I because I, I thought about it because I was thinking like how can I make my life easier as the bumper and I remember I used to complain so much being on the half wall when people would say like being in the bumper is like hard or it sucks because I was like literally just lift a stick and someone has a backdoor tap in like little things like that are just like if someone's back is turned to the play that has the puck on your team just letting them know what their options are for them like giving them some help like talking a lot like helping retrieve pucks like puck retrieval on the power play is one of the most important like under talk things like in the game, I feel like just being able to take a shot, like have a scoring chance and get the puck back instead of having to come all the way back up the ice. But I don't know. It's just like you're, you're in the center and it feels like you should be like under like 
all the attention and not be able to impact it at all, but you kind of have all the power to like determine whether or not you guys score. Yeah. I mean, Patrice Bergeron has been perfecting it for years and uh, I gotta say pasta and Marchand probably way more points than I'd ever expect based on that guy or uh, in your guys' neck of the woods, uh, brain point. Brain point yeah. Just how he plays it. Like it opens up like the reason Sam Coast gets open is kind of because of that. The reason Kucherov can like operate the way he wants to is because of how big a threat a point is. And I mean, like TJ Oshie is another great example. Like everyone's always like, why don't they just put one guy on Ovechkin and let like see what happens because Ovechkin's so good over there. And because if they do, it's a four on three down low close to the net and teams don't want to give up that option to Oshie down the middle or just having Backstrom or Kuznetsov or whoever's on the right flank or John Carlson up top shooting it with the skill set of the players they have. And like having a, bumper that knows and understands their role and can impact the game i feel like honestly can change a power place percentage by upwards of 10 or 15 easily easily um if not more at some of these lower levels it's unbelievable that's Um, that's just a subtle chirp and i will not have it i'm not accepting it (laughs) uh love it um From like a a a positioning of the bumper position, I believe that you like to play relatively high up in the zone. I'll be caught above the circles at times. Top of the circle. So you're basically like playing three up high, trying to create that upper three on two against the PK or, you know, almost four on um, two. So originally I got caught playing really low because I thought that's where they wanted me. And then they're like, no, like you can come up higher. And I found that I had a, a ton of success just kind of, like based on my movement, like I don't have to stay in between the hash marks. Like that just kind of defeats the purpose. But if I'm moving around just based on like, it doesn't really matter how the kill sets up unless they want to double team someone. I have like the ability to make plays into a three on one all over the ice. And if you have that and you have the skilled, like, like skilled players around you, like I'm lucky enough where like the four other kids in my power play are super talented and they make life easy for me and for each other when we're clicking it's just kind of knowing like when to pick your spots and pick your routes and timing, especially. And then like what Sip t- touched on um, knowing when to scan. And I'm a big believer in like, especially in scenarios like the power play, like your time to scan is when the puck is like mid pass, like take a look, like for the most part, once you can see it's going to be a tape to tape pass and like, you should be fine. Like just take like a quarter of a second look, a millisecond look. And now like for me personally, when the puck's coming down to the right circle and they're going to pass it to my forehand, I used to think that was like impossible to make a play off of. And now I just take a look and there's only one defenseman in front of the net. He either has to take the shot from me or the backdoor pass. And it's just like knowing that little thing and finding that habit and that routine, just once again, like going through my touches and seeing what I was having the most success with and like other plays that might be there, it just kind of like opened up a whole nother side of the game. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you approach the game like a student, like you're never going to stop learning no matter like how long you've played. Yeah, there's always something. And and before going on to that point, it's going to be really fun. Uh, like you knowing where to look when you scan and the timing of the scan. Oh, I'm getting a pass. I know the pass is on its way. I'm taking just a quick glance to this player because I know I've got a two-on-one with the backdoor guy. If he stays in the backdoor guy, I rip it. If he comes to me, tap in, easy goal. Just knowing that read early and how fast you can play uh, is super critical. So I, I call those like progressions. Like, where's your progression of where I need to look or what do I need to consider before I make my decision? So it can be basically automated super fast. Absolutely. And it's so fast that no one can truly yeah. react. One of my favorite uh, goals this year, actually, like the favorite plays I've been involved in, we were on the power play. And I realized they were playing like a super aggressive diamond in a way. And they had two guys end up getting caught 
on the guy on the uh, left circle. He was a lefty, my buddy. And then our D and their weak side forward was coming really close to me. And I caught a puck in the middle and just like, I know the kid super well that's on the right circle. And he's a lefty in a, like a spot he can one-time it. I was like, okay, based on like where that guy was looking, like my teammate who had the puck on the left circle, where I am and where like other people are, he should be kind of like right behind me. And I just caught it and quickly just like tapped it through my legs. And he went jar on a one-timer. It looked sick. And it's just little things like it, it looks a lot cooler than it actually is because it's just kind of trusting in your teammates and knowing like this is the read I should have. And, you know, in a way like I'm huge on puck management and being safe with the puck and making the right plays, but in a way like take the risk, like have fun with the game. Like I said, like be creative and have trust in your teammates too. Uh, Sip, do you, do you need a bumper guy up at SUNY Can? I know a guy. I would, I would love for Ronan to come to our school. I've, I've tried very hard, but he's, he's still got two more years of junior, but then he'll be here. Truly, truly was the young guy when you came there. Last, yeah, last day of juniors, and this guy's still there. Love it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Awesome. It's brutal, man. I've aged. All right. Well, we, we started talking about lifelong learning. So curious to see what you guys are getting into now you figure out scanning you know you always come back to that in some shape and form but you know what are maybe some other things you've learned in the past that you found really important or something you're toying with right now um, blaming myself instead of other people <laughs> just getting better attitude wise I guess like taking things upon myself and thinking there's a solution instead of just getting frustrated that I'm not able to find it right away the biggest thing for me that I've been trying to add would definitely be I know it's kind of a buzzword like puck management but like I, I've struggled in the past of trying to always make like the touch pass or try and make the like the nice pass or immediately try and scan and if you scan and see all right I can make this sick cross-ice pass or whatnot if I pass it right now but I, I've gotten into trouble without my coach so I, I've tried to I've tried to manage the puck more and be smarter like we were talking with Patrick Lina earlier and how, how he's horrible at managing the puck but Puck management is something I've definitely tried to get better at. Puck management. So basically making the best play at the time based on the scenario at hand. Uh, you know, going one-on-one without a speed differential while your team's changing, uh, probably a bad puck management decision. Exactly. Uh, you know, you've got a teammate streaking through the middle. You've drawn a guy outside. Probably just need to figure out a way to get it through the triangle little touch pass into space is perfectly fine. Don't need to make the sweet saucer pass over a guy. Uh, that's, that, that's exactly what happened this weekend. I uh, right off a draw. So I'm a, I'm a left winger. So I just kind of posted up at the blue line. I, I got the puck and I walked in and I go to make this pass to my center. Brent, who's coming through with speed. I just try and, you know, you're, you're at the top of the blue line. I don't want to turn it over. So I'm, I'm trying to hit the streaking guy. It misses him from the blue line and just goes straight five hole. Just literally, literally the mo- the luckiest goal I've ever seen. But I was talking with like my my dad and stuff. And we're both like, well, you've been trying to manage the puck a lot better. And I think that's a gift from the hockey gods for for cutting down on your turnovers. Because instead of just trying to make like the cheeky play and beat him wide and whatnot, I just tried to do the simple play, get it on net, and then you know the quote-unquote hockey gods just made the goalie open up his five hole and it went in so getting rewarded for good process like that's my favorite part is like you talk about process and people are like oh i was lucky this lucky that i'm like well you're gonna get some lucky stuff no matter what level you're at 
by doing the right thing over and over again. It's just a pure numbers game at that point. You know, we're going back you to your like, everything's math. You earn your luck. Exactly. You yeah, you earn your luck. And as long as you're not, you know, doing stupid stuff, eventually it's going to go your way. Like, for example, like you just get rid of point shots. Like, hey, the math doesn't work there. Like, I stop doing it. Point shots so much. I would, I'm yeah. the type of guy in NHL that'll play their buddies and I'll have maybe eight shots, but I'll have like five or six goals. You're that guy. Oh, <laughs> is the only thing I care about, but time yeah. and a place, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything in hockey. Like there's reasons why you do everything, but it's a matter of understanding like what's the best option. Are there better options? And more importantly, like, what is the opportunity cost? Like I take this point shot, which has 3%. When I could make a play down low, which now increases our ability to potentially get it to the house where really this play, if you, you know, play it out for a little bit, could be way better. Yeah. You know, rather than a 3% chance of scoring, maybe another 3% for getting a rebound or tip and over 60% chance of losing the dang thing, which ain't working for me. Um, so like, I, I find that to be frustrating because the opportunity cost is so valuable from a point shot. And then from a development standpoint, you think about it. Okay. If we just eliminated point shots, what a defense would be forced to do and what their skill set would have to adapt to. They like, have to become such better playmakers from their positions. They have to actually look and think they don't have to just grab it and chuck it. Like there's no yeah, thought exactly. process for a lot of defensemen. It's just grab and chuck and like, eh, I love I'm good. That, can, that can shoot the puck for a stick. Like, by all means, if you know, like, okay, like, I see your stick. Like, I've scored, like, four power play goals this year off one of our defensemen just getting it, and he sees, like, I'm in a position where if he just fires it in the spot, I can get my stick on it. Like, we're going to get a good scoring chance. And it's a play that works a lot, and I don't mind that, but it's just, like you said, like, the grab and shoot with, like, you're just sending a prayer up and hoping for the best. I, I don't I don't like hope plays. Give, give, give me some purpose and intentionality. Like, I love that you're looking for sticks. Like, a point shot, I love point shots when – there's numbers at the net. Oh man, give them to me all day. If I got a three on one at the net, fire that sucker. I want guys that are inside position to let's let's go to work. Like I'll take the rebound chance, tips, whatever. Like that's that's a phenomenal point shot. I love that. But otherwise, like no, and hey, point shots suck. I love percentages in hockey. I think my favorite percentage in hockey. I told Sip this one a while ago. Is I'm sure you know Daryl Belfry and probably a couple of your listeners do too. But I mean, in the common hockey world, he's kind of a an unknown hero, like an unsung hero, like one of the smartest guys. I love reading his stuff, like unbelievable stuff. He, um, he was talking about one time. I don't remember if it was an interview or it was a podcast actually saying like, yeah, like him and Patrick Kane, who he trains, were talking about ways to find more success. And they went through all his games. This is what kind of like started my whole like puck tracking thing. Once I heard this was that every game he had 40 puck touches in with an 80% success rate. He had two points or more, like every single one of them. And I was like, well, I mean, if, like, yeah, you, you adjust. But, I mean, Patrick Kane doing that in the NHL, like, you can say, okay, well, if I can aim for 33 puck touches with an 85% success rate in this specific league or, like, just adjusting for, like, what kind of player you are, what your play style, things like that, it's, you're going to guarantee yourself success. And it comes back to, like, we've been talking about, like, puck management, just kind of making the right plays sometimes instead of the risky ones. Yeah, I call, I call it attack puck versus possession puck. You know, possession puck, we just need to keep possession, move it along, find the better chance. Uh, a lot of times you guys take this with roller hockey, like, eh, don't have the one-on-one uh, -on -one ability to win this. Just keep keep the puck. Don't turn no, it over and have to I, try, I can't toe drag every time in a one-on-one. -on -one. It doesn't even matter. I'll take the TF. It's okay. <laughs>
Yeah. And then you've got those attack pucks where you're like, okay, the conditions are right for me to take a chance here. Like one-on-one in the NHL and, you know, maybe a little bit higher at the, the youth levels or lower levels, like 10% max. Like I think it was 8% last time I checked. Like a one-on-one 8% chance is not good. Uh-huh. So you better freaking find an ability to create advantageous situation or like an advantageous situation before you actually get the puck. Otherwise it's too late. Once you get the puck and then play hockey, it's terrible. What's up? Were you the one I worked with slowing down with? Like instead of speeding up all the time, taking some time and slowing down? Um, On like one-on-ones, I think so. Like just like zone entries in general. I know we worked on it on the ice a ton, but I'm a big fan. See, I'm I'm a big boy. And my skating ability is not quite unbelievable, you know, like great. on Like I say, I'm an arguably NHL level skater, but not quite Connor McDavid yet. But um, you could definitely argue that (laughs) you can argue it. Um, So I remember I was just thinking about my game and I was like, you know, I have the reach where speeding up doesn't always work. Like I I was watching Nikita Kucherov play a lot in uh, once I moved to Tampa during the playoffs. And he plays so much slower than what his top speed probably is. And I started thinking like, well, how can, like, why does he do this? Like, what are his benefits from doing this? What are his reads off of it? Like, how is this making his game better than just skating fast? And then I started seeing him like on zone entries and like Patrick Kane does it so much. Like a lot of the best possession zone entry guys do in the world where if they can't find a way to attack down the middle and work out when they're attacking the zone, they're slowing down. Like they're making the defenseman make a play and kind of reacting to it. I think that's one of my favorite things in the world. But I, I think the great part about that is you leave some speed in the tank. Like you draw guys in, then you and take then one step. After. Yeah. And, and like speed is a small advantage. But once someone sees it once, then it's over. Like the advantage is gone. Like you might get lucky one other time, but you're really only going to utilize that skill twice in the game. But if you're constantly like changing speed, that opens up a whole nother possibility because like, is he going to go slower? Is he going to go faster? Now you've got the defenseman being in a state of having to react to you, which is advantage you. So I, I love that you're talking about, uh, you know, like actually utilizing your skills, not just having skills, but actually using them in a competitive advantage. Like that's massive. Like my, my, I love watching Patty, like, fat Pat baby chubby, but he's effective. Like he's a classic, <laughs> one of these guys. He'll just like, get body positioning and like he's not that fast but he's got that quick first step boom puts his ass in your hands and you you're on your butt or you've at least stunned yeah. and he's got a good puck protection he's one of the he best moves along. players in the nhl he's lethal on the breakout yeah like the guy is not the fastest he's not every x y and z but he's effective and why well because he appreciates good body positioning he understands, like, when do I need to play fast? When do I need to play slow? You know, despite being one of the slowest guys in the NHL, consistently is a phenomenal F2. He might actually hold the crown. He, he might, yeah. But, like, he's an, an excellent F2 driver. Like, you don't need to be fast to do it. It just takes effort, and he's willing to put it in. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's able to create all this time and space. There's reasons why when he was the Oilers, he played with McDavid. Uh, can't say I've done that yet. Maybe one day. Maybe maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day, Rooney. I got Sip faith is, in you, buddy. Playing with Sip is worth more than playing with McDavid any day. I think I played with him mm. for maybe two shifts when I was in Tampa, and I had a primary assist both times. I do remember that. That's true. That is true. 
Yep, we got to re- we got to reignite. All right, we're starting the crown here. Colton's sharing this episode with his uh, coaching staff. Like, you got to bring this guy in. Just get him a skating coach, and we'll figure out the rest. Let's go. <laughs> Help me put on twenty five pounds, and you're getting at least ten power play goals out of me in D three. You don't have to give me any other ice time. I'll eat some pucks on the kill too. I love penalty killing. The old, the old Holmstrom role, like power play, net front, a little bit of PK, and sit your ass on the bench. For I think years. penalty kill is the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. I don't understand how people struggle with it. I think it's the easiest thing in the world. You're looking for body cues and just not exposing the most dangerous options. I don't think it's hard, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, well, gents, this was a phenomenal episode. Really enjoyed it. Uh, anything else on your plates that we need to hit? Otherwise, uh, I know this is going to be an episode that was – released at 2 a.m. in the morning, but man, it is late as hell over here on the East Coast. Probably 9 in Nashville. This is great for me. Yeah, it's 10.05 here. About to head over to Tuesday Blues. I uh, Thanks for having us on. It was a great time. Yeah, this is unreal. I would awesome. like to shout out uh, Joey McCready, though, once we talked about Glass It Out. It's my favorite Glass It Out defenseman I've ever played with. Any, any other shout outs? Uh, I'd like to shout out the boys at SUNY Canton. All my teammates. Nashville Spartans at the USPHL. Just watch. We're coming up to Utica this uh, this uh, February. Oh, man. All right. There we go. Love it, guys. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, excited for this to be released. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.